Greetings, and welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the podcast that plans to retire early after selling a pallet of 3DS units once the price has hit its peak. Yes, tonight's episode is a look back at the last clamshell console from Nintendo, the Nintendo 3DS. I'm your host and community manager for the newly formed Mage Video Game Club, David Lloyd. And just a quick reminder before we get into the episode that the aforementioned Video Game Club is available through our newly launched Patreon. Your contributions help keep the lights on at the pub and allow us to share access to both new and retro games. Make sure to check out uh, patreon.com slash thethirstymage for uh, details on uh, how to get these rewards. But first up is uh, a guy who loves his 3DS so much you'll have to take it from his cold dead hands. NWR Reviews Editor, Jordan Rudick. So I do have an update on my PlayStation 4 Pro situation, uh, and I'll share that in a couple of minutes, but I don't, again, I don't want to step all over Paige's introduction like I did last time, uh, so maybe, David, you can introduce her first, and then we can chat about it. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. The, uh, and the other guest we have with us tonight is, uh, I'm guessing that uh, she wore the thumbstick chasing down Rathalos uh, on, on her 3DS. It's Ladies Gamers writer, Paige Detlison. Hi. Um, no, I've not actually abused any of my 3DSs to that point. Um, although, I guess when we discuss different models, I can mention something about the thumbsticks and Monster Hunter. Yeah, I've, I've got a lot to say about the different models as well, because I've, I've probably owned every 3DS model. I did The same thing with the DS, like I, when we talked, we did that episode. Like, I've, I've owned every model pretty much. The only, the only 3DS one I didn't own was the regular 2ds than the, the coincidentally the non clamshell one Paige, did you ever have one of those <laughs> i bought one for my little sister yeah yeah i think I've, i think i've bought one for a gift as well maybe when it was on sale or something like that but i never, i don't know if i've ever actually used one yeah i've seen them in the wild uh seen uh, kids at my kids daycare way back when i guess it was a few years ago mm. now uh, i came in with one of those and i think he had like mario kart or something yeah, we'll 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 talk more about that the design maybe when we get to when we get to those. But yeah, so my my update for my PlayStation Four Pro. So I, I weighed everybody's advice from the podcast last week and uh, talked to some friends of mine as well. But what they're what they're doing is they uh, start thinking about upgrading to uh, a, a new Xbox or a new uh, PlayStation Five. Um, and so I was speaking to one friend, and he's gonna he's end, gonna end up going the uh, he's always been Xbox kind of centered or focused, so uh, he's gonna continue on that trend and get an S or an X uh, series box. Um, but uh, he doesn't have a PlayStation three. I don't think he's had a PlayStation for a while, so there's a lot of games he wants to play uh, on PlayStation four uh, before he ends up getting a PlayStation five, which probably be much later. So, uh, so I'm going to sell the PlayStation four to him. Uh, he just texted me back, uh, about an hour ago, actually. <laughs> uh, he doesn't want to buy the controller with it. So I, I don't know if he has a, a controller already somehow, or he found a deal on one or something like that. So, so I'm going to sell the console to him, uh, with, uh, I'm going to throw in, uh, my copy of division two, which I, I'm probably not going to play ever again, uh, throw in division two for 275 bucks. So, uh, happy to, uh, sell it to a friend rather than a soulless company like eb games uh and uh so he'll he'll be able to enjoy that for a little while and uh yeah kind of a uh, an all's well that ends well story i suppose uh, uh i was saying to to david uh, just before we started recording that uh now that i found a buyer lined up for the playstation 4 pro i need to really get on my horse and finish uh playing through bloodborne again uh in uh in advance of our uh uh, I guess I don't know if we've mentioned this uh, already or, or said anything about it on the podcast, but uh, we will be doing an episode on Bloodborne uh, right around Halloween time uh, at the end of October. So uh, stay tuned for that. 
Yeah, I had to kibosh any zombie uh, zombie type games for the the Halloween episode because uh, I, one one a year is enough for me. I mean, honestly, Bloodborne is pretty much a perfect Halloween game, I would say, if you think about the setting and just how, the, how gothic and dark and everything is. Like, it's you'd be hard pressed to find a better non zombie themed uh, horror game. That's for sure. <laughs> well, and, uh, I've already, I've, I've started it a bit. I've played probably about thirty minutes. I already died twice. So yeah. Uh, after getting in some Hades, I'm getting pretty used to dying in games now. Anyway, so yeah. Well, if you've only played thirty minutes, you haven't, uh, you haven't seen the half of it in Bloodborne. That's for sure. Well, uh, why don't we have a page kick off uh, the drink uh, discussion this week? Just my usual Coca-Cola in the special Australian-sized can of 375 mils. Can you not rub that in? I was so disappointed. <laughs> Listen, I, I went back to... I was listening to our last episode on Earthbound, and you were talking about the, the sizes of the cans and the bottles, and I'm in the store today, and I'm looking at these tiny, tiny cans and bottles that I'm forced to buy, and uh, yeah, it's disappointing. I, 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 need to write, I need to write a letter to uh, someone in power and get them to... Uh, upgrade our pop sizes exclusively for the podcast. You're getting really, it's really annoying missing out on that uh, 20 milliliters, I guess. Eh? <laughs> it's uh, That's probably the best 20 milliliters, though. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the the question is more: uh, Is it in a plastic can or or uh, sorry, aluminum can or a plastic bottle? Because to me, that's the the bigger the bigger concern. Uh, can because it's e- cheaper to buy them when they're in half price. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Coke always tastes better from aluminum. That's 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 my opinion. Yep. Oh, we've 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 been there, done that. That's definitely true. Um, yeah. I've got uh, something new for uh, this week. Uh, so back to the glass bottles. Actually, uh, I've got a drink that's made in Mexico since 1950. It says uh, it's Haritos. Um, uh, that's with a J at the beginning. I think it's Haritos. If, if anyone. Um, any Spanish speakers or Mexicans uh, listening to our podcast, please correct me. Uh, it's a fruit punch. Uh, it's very red. It reminds me of the Hawaiian punch drink. Uh, that I don't even I don't know if they're allowed to sell that anymore. I certainly haven't seen it in a long time, at least in Canada. Uh, the Hawaiian punch was uh, it came in a blue bottle. It had like this uh, mascot uh, or character caricature on the front of the bottle with red hair, kind of long, kind of curly red hair, um, usually riding a surfboard of some kind. Um, yeah, I haven't seen that in a long time, but this tastes very much like it. Uh, it's very good. Um, I, I'm a fan of, uh, fruit punch, uh, kind of juices or, uh, uh, drinks from concentrate or frozen drinks or something like that. So, uh, I, am already a fan of the flavor, but yeah, this one's good. It's a little bit more carbonated than the aforementioned Hawaiian punch, but, um, I, yeah, I, I guess I don't. I, I've seen these Haritos drinks in a lot of places, uh, always at the grocery stores, and then a couple of uh, uh, Mexican restaurants I've been to. There's a, a place I've been getting uh, uh, vegan donuts from, actually, that uh, Boca del Boca del Grande, Boca del Grande, something like that, uh, close to my place, and they uh, have this Haritos drink in addition to uh, donuts and some other things. So uh, I had to try it, and I'm happy I did. It was on sale. Uh, it's good. Uh, I also bought a mango one to try next. Maybe I'll save that for next week. But uh, Haritos, yeah. If you've if you've never tried one and you see it, uh, and you're you're into kind of more fruity flavors rather than the uh, the pop flavors, uh, it's good. It's really good. Yeah. Well, I I really hope you did pronounce that right because butchering language is is my shtick. 
That's true. That's true. I should yeah. I should have asked, I should have asked for your advice first. Then I would have gotten it wrong. You should have asked me just to. I, you should have just sent me the name and let me butcher it for you, and then that's that way. Right. Yeah, I I made a mistake. That's a good call. I'll do that next time. Yep, yeah, definitely next time. Uh, it's funny. I actually had a vegan donut uh, this weekend myself. And, oh, do um, tell now! Now you've got my attention. Yes, uh, we ended up. Um, so I, we got like four four different ones, and we just cut it into four so that we could uh, taste test them all. Okay. Um, so uh, had a uh, pumpkin. Uh, I guess it's like a pumpkin spice donut. Yeah. Had pumpkin seeds on it. Was pretty good. Okay. It tasted kind of like what a real donut would taste like. It, just a glaze on top. Yeah, just just a little glaze. Okay. Uh, it was kind of more. It kind of had a, like a cake texture to it. I would say cake donut uh, rather than yeast. Okay. Yeah. Um, then we had just kind of a, a typical chocolate donut, but it was like real chocolate, like mm. the the thick stuff. So that that was good. Um, what was the other? Oh, uh, an apple fritter. Apple fritter. Yep. Uh, so that one was good. It had little chunks of apple on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pretty good. And uh, the last one was a was a Boston cream style, um, which was also uh, dipped in chocolate. So it was and like those were all cho- vegan. They were all vegan. You don't normally see Boston cream as a vegan. No, but... it was. Uh, I can't even tell. There was like some kind of vegan custard in the middle, which was yeah. really good. Okay. Um, but no, I was like, uh, so, so, the one thing uh, when you eat Tim Hortons donuts f- for most of your life. And they taste like 50% air. And then yeah. you have like a vegan donut. Uh, you're, you're ready to have a nap at that point. Well, yeah. <laughs> not to mention you're probably paying three to four times as much for that vegan donut yeah. as well, I imagine, right? Like they're, the ones near me, they're four twenty-five, four seventy-five, five dollars $5 a donut pretty much. And it, it's, you know, you, 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 you go broke if you're trying to have those like every couple of days or even every yeah. week. But I do I do try to, try to support those kind of businesses right now because obviously they're a little bit more boutique, right? Yeah. I think we ended up paying 16 for the four pack. So yeah, yeah, that's about right. Paige, any vegan donuts near you that you know of? Um, not unless maybe my mom was making them. Okay, so if you if, if, here's the problem, um, or maybe maybe the 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 deal. If you find a vegan donut place near you and you've got these large these oversized pops, I've got no choice but to come visit. So just just <laughs> a, just a heads up. I'm I'm booking my calendar um, for when to find out about the vegan donuts in Australia. I'm sh- I'm sure they are in the cities. I'm just not in one of those. So. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I was gonna say Australia doesn't uh, doesn't seem like the the bastion of uh, veganism to me. You know what? And I I would have said the same thing about so many places like a few years ago. But uh, like we were kind of joking about with the beers, uh, the beer you had last week, David. Uh, so many places seem to be wanting to advertise different uh, to different dietary needs. So um, yeah. you might not have seen, yeah, things are gluten free or vegan or dairy free a couple years ago, even twelve months ago. Uh, but now the grocery stores, I feel like they're filled with play, with, with the, those kind of options. So uh, you never know when I have to ask. And uh, maybe now that I've mentioned it, uh, it, it'll it'll stick out in your mind and you know you guys will find more of those places. But yeah. yeah. Well, uh, for my drink, uh, so you may have butchered, I don't know, may have butchered the uh, Spanish language. And I'm going to just take a chunk out of the French language now because uh, I have no clue how to pronounce the micro uh, brassiere that this came from. Uh, La Nafara? Oh, man. It's, it's David, a nautical... That, been, that could not have been close. Oh, it was it, it was bad. Uh, La Nafara? I don't know. Anyway, it has a uh, picture of a ship on the front, 
And uh, this is a Scotch Ale. It, it caught my attention because uh, I don't remember the last time I had a Scotch Ale. And whenever I can't remember when I've had a Scotch Ale, I have to drink one. So uh, this is the Carrick Scotch Ale. It, it's uh, an extra strong ale, nine and a quarter percent. So uh, just just under the the double digits that I that I enjoy my Scotch Ales at. And uh, yeah, this was this was a very good uh, a very good one. It's uh, very simple too. There's three ingredients: barley, hops, and yeast. And I'm sure there's water in there too, but um, yeah, it was really good. I, I enjoyed that one. Um, had a little bit of an aftertaste, but not not a strong one. So uh, just enough to uh, feel it in your nose, but not enough to burn it. Very good. Um, Scotch ales, you you've, you I know you've mentioned that on the podcast before. You've had a bunch of those before. Um, it's not your favorite, though. Uh, it's it's one of them. It's probably okay. my second favorite. Uh, the, it's the amber ales that are my uh, yeah. That's yeah, the one. That's that's okay. number one. Yeah, love them ambers. So. I guess uh, we should uh, get right into uh, this week's topic because uh, we we might uh, we have lots of opinions on this, uh, lots of experience. Lots of games to talk about, frankly. Lots yeah. of games. Just a huge list of games. Yeah, I guess it was only a couple of months ago that we were talking about uh, the Nintendo DS and uh, it being an RPG powerhouse. But uh, an argument could be made that the Nintendo 3DS uh, might be the the king of the RPGs. Uh, just for the mere fact that it can play all those DS games and, yeah. and more. <laughs> and um, we thought uh, this is kind of the perfect uh, perfect time to talk about it because the uh, 3DS is officially discontinued now. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, if, if you were uh, planning to pick up uh, a 3DS, it might, you might want to run to the store before they're, they're all pulled like the old Wii U's. But um, yeah, the, tonight's topic, we're going to be talking about the, the 3DS, going to talk a little bit about the launch lineup. Um, some fun price drops and uh, favorite titles and some other RPGs, obviously. So mm-hmm. um, I guess uh, maybe we'll kick right into the launch lineup uh, and just it's more of a get through it than uh, talk about it, I think, because the the list of games here are, are not uh, uh, maybe maybe a pretty weak. I would say one of the weaker launch lineups uh, of the Nintendo consoles that I've seen. Yeah, I I remember being. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of felt this way about the DS, right? The DS also had what what I would consider a fairly weak launch lineup, with, with really just uh, Super Mario sixty four DS as the kind of the standout title there. Um, I when I picked up my three DS uh, day and date, uh, I, I think it was in Canada. I want to say it was like maybe two seventy nine or something like that, or two nine. It, it was a lot of money, right? Like. I, I tried to maybe justify it, th- thinking, okay, yeah, I can play my DS games. Like I've already, I've already got the stock of DS games. I've already got a built-in library for this console. Um, I remember using the AR features and you know really trying to sell the 3D effect 
to uh, you know to, to friends or family who I would show off the console to. Uh, and I think, I think the 3D effect was cool. Like eventually, I stopped using it almost entirely. Uh, and the, the console I have now, the new 2DS XL, it doesn't even have that built in. But uh, uh, I picked up Pilot Wings Resort. That was my uh, launch lineup uh, purchase. Uh, there were only three Nintendo games, uh, Nintendo uh, produced, uh, uh, published games. Uh, Pilot Wings Resort, Steel Diver, Nintendo Dogs and Cats. Uh, Pilot Wings Resort. Um, it, I don't think it's the best Pilot Wings game. Uh, it was very. It felt very much kind of like um, uh, n- not open world, but less structured. I guess like it, you could kind of just do whatever you wanted in that game, so to speak. Um, it felt very kind of open and floaty and um, yeah. I, I guess just not maybe not as. Uh, uh, directed or linear as i would have liked Uh, i really liked uh, the pilot wings for super nintendo and for nintendo 64 i feel like those ones with the kind of uh, mission-based structure just felt a little bit tighter um i I liked the challenge of those games this game yeah i don't know it i don't think it was a great launch title uh it it killed a little bit of time but i don't i don't have a lot of fond memories of this game uh I, i do remember kind of showing people the 3d effects in this game and i think they were pretty cool but uh, yeah, I don't think it had a lot of staying power. That's uh, at least that—that that was my experience with it. Just it doesn't feel very memorable to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, Paige, did you pick up your 3DS uh, around launch time? Um, no, I didn't get my 3DS until I think Christmas of 2012 because mm. that was after the um, Animal Crossing had an English release date. So we we asked for the 3DSs for Christmas, and then we didn't really have a game for it until <laughs> June. Oh, really? That long? (laughs) Yeah, I I don't remember having any other, like, 3DS games before Animal Crossing, so I'm not sure if there was anything else I played before that. Okay. The Animal Crossing for 3DS was really good, though. Like, I... I, my, My... my wife and I both played that one a ton, and um, I almost... In some ways, I kind of prefer it to to New Horizons. I feel like it just... There's just more... More to do, more more interesting stuff in there. I might talk about that later, then. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll save it for other games. Yeah, well, why don't I just, I'll fly through the um, all the, the launch lineup, and if anyone has any strong feelings about any of them, uh, we can stop for a moment to talk about it, but uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like, when I got my 3DS was was later in the console's life, uh, but we'll, we'll uh, talk about why I picked mine up a little bit later. So, uh, like you said, the three Nintendo published games were Pilot Wings Resort, Steel Diver, and Nintendo Dogs and Cats, uh, and then the third-party titles uh, were Stu- Super Street Fighter 4 3D Edition. The Sims 3, Madden NFL Football, Pro Evolution Soccer 2011 3D, Lego Star Wars 3 The Clone Wars, Ridge Racer 3D, Super Monkey Ball 3D, Bust a Move Universe, Samurai Warriors Chronicles, Asphalt 3D, Combat of Giants Dinosaurs 3D, Rayman 3D, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Shadow Wars. It, uh, it really feels like one of those, like, back when the Nintendo 64 came out and every title had to have 64 in it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, every, every title has to tell you that there's there's 3D in it. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, not to... I don't think I played any of the third-party titles uh, on the 3DS, and I, I can't say that any of the particular titles um, stand out as uh, needing to go back to uh, <laughs> to try out. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I like Busted Move. I like those games, um, but I didn't, I didn't play this one. I did play a little bit of Steel Diver, but I picked it up for like under five dollars, much, much later, uh, long after I'd bought a 3DS. Uh, and just yeah, didn't, didn't find that one very memorable. But yeah, it, it feels like 
you know, there's a lot of kind of simple, straight ports. Uh, not a lot, not a lot that's very interesting here. Um, I, I do have Super Street Fighter 4 3D Edition. I think I got it like for for next to nothing as part of a humble bundle, uh, maybe. But yeah, it's a. It does feel like a lackluster launch lineup for sure. Uh, and I think that one of that's one of the things also that contributed to uh, the big pr- uh, the first big price drop that we're going to talk about as well. Uh, just just not a lot here on offer. Yeah, so I believe it was March. I believe it was March 2011 when the console itself uh, released. Uh, it pretty much flopped right off the bat. Uh, not a whole lot of sales. So uh, Nintendo kind of uh, realized that they they made a mistake. And yeah, like you said, there was a big price drop in August of 2011. Um, the American numbers uh, it was $250 uh, on the launch day, and then it went dro- it dropped down to $170. Uh, from then on in, and yeah, um, I think it was two seventy nine yeah. Canadian to one ninety nine, something like that. About the same number, about eighty dollars, right? Seventy nine dollars. Yeah, and I, I can't. I'd imagine. I'm, I'm sure that there's plenty of people who bought them. Well, uh, yourself, Jordan. Uh, yes. <laughs> you probably were a little, a little perturbed that uh, only <laughs> a few months later it was such a big drop. And and the, uh, f- from what I can recall, I think the the Mia couple from Nintendo was, oh well, we'll give you some Nintendo. Uh, rewards or something on the on the i think it was i don't know what it was called back then my so we, we got to talk my, my about this because this is this is like the most important part of the three is i think it's the most important part of the 3ds price drop but it's also one of the reasons why my console is so precious to me uh so after that 79 dollars price drop uh yeah the nintendo is feeling like okay anyone who bought the console just a few months ago is going to feel incredibly slighted and and deservedly so right like that's you're dropping the cost of the console by a third uh within like a six months period right so um the uh what was offered to player people that had already bought a 3ds was an ambassador certificate so they would be known as nintendo 3ds ambassadors uh i i am one of those um and we were offered uh, a total of 20 games uh, 20 uh, virtual console games so there's 10 nes games and i've got the list here uh super mario brothers uh, donkey kong jr balloon fight ice climber the legend of zelda metroid nes open tournament golf wrecking crew zelda 2 the adventure of link and Yoshi, uh, the puzzle game Yoshi. Um, I don't know how many of those titles actually were made available uh, to purchase separately uh, at some point. I think most point. of them. That's what I would say too, Paige. I think maybe Wrecking Crew. Yeah, I, I think maybe Wrecking Crew, maybe Donkey Kong Jr., maybe, uh, just uh, Enios Open Tournament Golf. I'm not sure if those uh, were eventually just released to the regular virtual console. But um, I think these games were released ahead of any actual virtual console being on the system. So it was kind of maybe a little bit of foreshadowing of what was to come. Um, the other 10 games, uh, which are, the, I think, the much more precious uh, 10, obviously, uh, there's 10 Game Boy Advance virtual console games. Oh. And the irony is that 3DS never got a Game Boy Advance virtual console. It probably should have. And I think that after these games were released to ambassadors, people were pretty convinced it was going to get one, but it never did. And so we got, uh, so yeah, 10, 10 more games here. F-Zero, Maximum Velocity, uh, Yoshi's Island, Super Mario Advance 3, The Legend of Zelda, The Minish Cap, uh, Fire Emblem, The Sacred Stones, Kirby and the Amazing Mirror, Mario Kart Super Circuit, Mario vs. Donkey Kong, WarioWare Inc., Mega Micro Games, Metroid Fusion, and Wario Land 4. So definitely some really good games in there. 
Um, but yeah, just so ones that were never released elsewhere. Um, they would have the Wii U Virtual Console had Game Boy Advance games, but they didn't put it on the 3DS. Yeah, they didn't put it on 3DS, and I don't know if all of these games are on the Wii U. Uh, Again, probably some of them. Yeah, if Metroid Fusion for sure, uh, Minish Cap, probably Fire Emblem, Yoshi's Island is I know for sure. Uh, but there's a couple of these that I'm not sure if they ever did make their way to Wii U. So uh, what's funny is that uh, these some of these games are only available not just on uh, any 3DS, but only on an Ambassador version 3DS. So uh, obviously I don't have that original console anymore, but every time I would get a new hardware upgrade, you just have to keep transferring your, your games over. And so, you have the little Pikmin carry a save file across It's really cute, the actually. <laughs> like, I, I really liked seeing that animation. Even though it would take forever, uh, yeah. it, was, it was kind of charming to see them bringing your files over. So, yeah, I'm on a 2DS Excel now, and I've probably done that same transfer. Man, I'm going to say at least four times. I've probably gone through four different, four or five wow. different 3DS consoles. So uh, to to preserve, if nothing else, to preserve my Ambassador games has been like the most important aspect of transferring my files and keeping my 3DS in good condition. Is I, I I don't know if it's I don't know if it's worth any extra money to have those games on your console. Uh, kind of like you know with with people had the PlayStation that had PT on it. Uh, but I, I do think I do think it's kind of cool to just have this thing that not everybody who has a console has access to these. So it, it yeah, it, it makes me feel not so bad about having paid a little bit of extra money. Well, not a little, a lot of extra money uh, at launch for my 3DS. Because I, I guess, uh, or, or was it, did it go to the, yeah, like it, you could transfer it to the SD card, right? But you can't play these games on, I can't like put that SD card in another 3DS. Like it has to be, I think it has to be your has to be your console. Like, yeah, the, oh, okay, I don't know, so it's I don't not know how the games are locked exactly, but it's. I, I was curious it's as if easy it was. I thought it might have been like uh, connected yeah. to your uh, eShop account or something, but. Um, you can only have one account for like one 3ds. Yeah, so that's if I have right. two 3ds's, I can't put the same one on another 3ds. Yeah, because my my wife has a new 3ds, just the the regular black one with the the kind of Mario uh, prints on it. Uh, but yeah, there, there's no way I couldn't move those games to her console without deleting her account uh, and then just making the console mine or putting my account on there. So, yeah, I mean, it, we weren't living in an age like you know, like Switch or with some of the other yeah. modern consoles where you can just play anything everywhere. It is, uh, was still uh, fairly restrictive back then. Feels so futuristic with these uh, modern comforts of uh, having having multiple accounts on on one console, you know? I mean, we're only talking about the last five, ten years, right? Like, it's not. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, maybe Xbox was a little bit ahead of the curve. I with mean, the, the Vita stuff, was sort of like that too. You'd have to put in a different memory card to have a different account, basically. Hmm. Yeah. And, and it might like and, wipe stuff sometimes. And you also had to play. You also had to pay an arm and a leg for those memory cards too. Yes. So it wasn't easy to do that. <laughs> See, too. at least at least the 3DS just has the. I don't know if the original model had it, but the new ones have the micro SD. Yeah, I'm not sure if the original one had expandable memory or not. Um, it's just been such a long time since I owned one. I remember them being total fingerprint magnets, right? Like the 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 black one and the blue one that I think were the the two that launched here. Anyways, um, you put your fingers on them and leave they always leave fingerprints on them. So uh, I was really happy mm-hmm. to upgrade that as soon as I could. Actually, I don't know. I don't remember which one eventually dropped that uh, that that coating on the on the front, but. Mm-hmm. Well, before we talk about the the different types of uh, 3DS, I'll just get into uh, the second price drop that we saw, which was in 2013. Uh, And this is actually when I got my 3DS because it was, uh, 
I remember there being this big panic of uh, the. Uh, I believe the American prices at the time it was like November 2013, and the price it was like 170 American, and it went down to 129. And I th- think on the Canadian side it was like 199 to 149 or something like mm, that. Yeah, something I just like remember. That. Yeah, I just remember it being this huge discount and feeling like it would be stupid not to pick it up because it was on such a big discount. If I, if I remember correctly, uh, this this price drop coincided with the launch of Super Mario the, 3D Land, I want to say? It uh, might that, have been, too, right? because uh, the 3DS XL had just come out as well, uh, and that was the one that was on sale. And, yeah, I don't remember, because I remember the first game I bought with it was Link Between Worlds, and I yeah, don't so, think Link... I think it had just recently come out as well. Yeah. No, 3D Land came out uh, earlier than that. I'm getting confused. I remember Link Between Worlds came out the same day as a different Mario game, if I'm not mistaken. And so it was a a pretty big release. I think it was obviously probably a November around Black Friday. But yeah, I think think, um, Link Between Worlds may have launched with like New Super Mario Brothers U or... Uh, or even Super Mario 3D World. Maybe that's what I'm getting confused about. There, there was another oh, big yeah, title there, I think, makes, for sure, yeah. right? Three, may, yeah. It might have been 3D World, because I, I World. think I got that around the same time. Yeah. Uh, but I laugh because they... I'm not the only one uh, that that ran out to do it because they um, on Rick and Morty there there's a joke about how oh, yeah. uh, how the, when the price goes down there's like a flashback to 2013 and Rick is like going insane because he's like oh my god Morty the the 3ds is they're on sale we gotta buy as many as the store has and they, <laughs> yeah. they go running out but in real life apparently Justin Roiland like it was based on Justin Roiland having actually bought ten. 10 3ds's oh that really day. that's hilarious yeah. yeah and he says he still owns them all uh to this day and that he's that's waiting awesome. yeah he said he's waiting for the the peak and he's gonna sell them all and yeah make a bunch of money but uh yeah that, that was around the time i i did it as well so that's that's when i jumped in but uh see if he had really been smart he would have gone back even rick would have gone back even further to the the first just before the first price drop buy 10 of those ambassador capable systems yeah. and then try to sell those you know uh, you know five or ten years from now or something like that I I, I I i that's something i'm curious about like the the consoles that are going to have software and i don't just mean the 3ds like any console where you can't get that anymore you know like it's kind of it's it's no longer available through an online shop or it's just proprietary software like i wonder if those consoles are going to be really really hot commodities you know years and years down the road or something like that it's kind of neat to think about So we got the original 3DS. We've got the the 3DS XL, uh, which is the it's actually the only one I've I've owned myself. Uh, then they've got the new 3DS, mm. uh, which launched with um, that was the Super yeah. Smash when Super Smash mm. Brothers, I believe, uh, came to 3DS, mm. and it Probably. added the C stick. Um, I think it came out. Of <coughs> yeah, I think it came out a bit earlier in my region. Mm. Um, so the new 3DS. Just like the not XL model, had added the C stick, which was very good for Monster Hunter fans because yeah, they were fine. able to actually <laughs> aim a bit better. 
because I could turn the camera around um, without. Um, because before that, I think some people with the XLs used a Circle Pad Pro, like it was oh, yeah, a separate I remember attachment seeing that. or something. Yeah, it was a little. It was a little dish. <laughs> yeah. You actually had to put your 3DS inside, and I, I know people bought that for um, Kid Icarus Up, Uprising. That was the the big game to go along with that. Maybe one of the Resident Evil games as well. But uh, yeah, the the little the, the little tiny thumbstick that they added to the new 3DS was certainly really helpful for a game like Monster Hunter. I would imagine. Yeah, it was. The people were pretty excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it also the non XL version had um, changeable face plates. Right. Um, yes. So I've got a few. Um, I've got a couple I imported from Japan, like a Pugi from Monster Hunter, or that's got it says Monster Hunter Four G on it, but it's just top part of the clamshell is Pugi's face, and then the bottom part's like the stripes of his usual um, striped. I don't also say pajamas. I don't really know what you call the clothes the pig's wearing. Yeah, there's like quite a few different designs. Some were like Japan exclusive, um, so that's pretty fun to swap them around. And they added, yeah, they had. In terms, it was supposed to be better performance, but in terms of games that were exclusive to it, there weren't actually that many new games. It was, I think, you know, like something like Hyrule Warriors and Farmer Warriors and Xenoblade Chronicles yeah, what, on the mm-hmm. 3DS, um, and some. Majora's Mask games. was uh, the, new 3DS exclusive too, wasn't it? No, no, I don't think so. I think I think there were some games where people considered them exclusive because they ran so poorly on a regular <laughs> 3DS. Uh, I remember uh, Fire Emblem Fire Emblem Warriors was one of these. Like you could run technically run the game on a standard 3DS, but the frame rate would be so abysmal that yeah, imagine playing a Muso game and the frame rate's like 10 or 15 or no or something. You know, you're not you're not going to be able to enjoy it at all. So uh, if you can, that's probably the most stark comparison is Fire Emblem Warriors. Um, I almost picked that up on 3DS, but I was looking at a video uh, comparing those two uh, earlier today. Um, Yeah, I think Xenoblade was really the the one true kind of main reason to maybe get a new 3DS uh, if you you haven't played that before. And that was the reason why I upgraded at that point, uh, because I hadn't played Xenoblade. I heard really good things about it that felt like this was my chance to play it uh, and play it portably. So uh, I ended up getting a new 3DS XL. Uh, and that's how I first played Xenoblade Chronicles. Um, I, 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 I can't remember the, the eShop games uh, that were, uh, that you could, uh, they were, uh, had exclusive software for the yeah, new version, but. I saw some older videos were saying that maybe some, like the Super Nintendo Virtual Console was exclusive yeah. to new 3DS. I don't so, know if that's still yeah. the case. That uh, be, yeah, that I got the list be. here. So I got uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, Binding of Isaac Rebirth. Fire Emblem Warriors, Wind Up Night okay. 2, Runbow Pocket, Fu- Future Dim EP mm. Deluxe, Block Form, Pixel Hunter, Life Speed, Pinball Hall of Fame, Dragon Fane, Forma.8, SNES Virtual Console, and Minecraft New 3DS Edition. Uh, the, the, when we get to just another model later, like um, there was... Uh, went, like there was a Minecraft um, t- new 2DS XL. It was a creeper face. I I'd forgotten that it was the entire Super NES Virtual Console lineup that was only playable on new 3DS. Just, it seems like a funny a funny uh, uh, stipulation or a funny restriction, given that yeah. that that we already had Game Boy Advance games running on a base 3DS 
with the ambassador program. Like, it, why? I don't know. It just to seems funny to me. Upgrade, I guess. Maybe it just just to add another feather to the cap of of the new branding, right? Like, because it wasn't really offering all that much. At least I think to uh, maybe to uh, a regular consumer or someone who's not that discerning, the the bumps in fidelity or or performance and things like that. Like, you might not really notice it. There was one feature uh, that we haven't mentioned yet was that the the eye tracking or the um the oh, 3d yeah. effect with the 3d effect was easier to achieve on the new 3ds line because you could look you didn't have to um it could be looking your face yeah it, it, so it, it was i hold it in a very specific way in front of you to be able that's to right there was there was a real a little red light that would turn on when you're kind of not looking at the console straight uh, and so it would track your eye movement and allow you to maintain the 3D effect even if you're uh, moving the console around or if your head is moving around or something like that. So that kind of, again, a neat a neat thing, but uh, just mo- more like bells and whistles than uh, maybe a uh, total much, necessity to upgrade. Well, it was enough for me to upgrade to it. I think maybe just the faceplates and having a new one, and then I... Transferred my save data and gave my old 3DS to my friend so she could play Pokemon. Well, the 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 new 3DS had a much better hinge as well, which made a big difference because like the my XL, uh, the the way the hinge works is that there's there's only like three or four settings where it kind of like locks in, whereas the hinge on the new 3DS is is pretty much like wherever you set it, it it it'll stay, but. But yeah, with mine, like it'll bounce, like if you yeah. put it in the wrong spot, uh, which made the the 3ds. Mm-hmm. Like I ended up just turning off the 3ds effect pretty much permanently on mine. Like I don't really turn it on just because, like you said, yeah, like it's just it, you you have to get it at the right angle, and then the hinge, like you have to be mm-hmm. holding it at a funny angle because on on the XL hinge, it never really puts it at the right angle. Like you're you're either leaning it forward or leaning it back depending on which spot you put it in so it was always irritating to me uh and and really i just felt like most games had kind of given up on the on the effect where a lot like usually it was just kind of a uh, very minor cosmetic thing as opposed to like a, a true like some of the games i think that had the like bravely default i think was where i noticed the effect the most hmm yeah yeah, it has. A, it actually had a built-in AR game uh, yeah, or AR feature that that you that you used the uh, 3DS effect. Like it was. I mean, I mean, we talked about it on the Bravely Default episode about how how much that game was tailor made for the console to the point of actually trying to use the uh, some of the uh, much lesser used uh, features of the uh, of it as well, like the AR and the 3D. This might be a good time to get into uh, the fav- our favorite titles of uh, this particular uh, console, and maybe Paige, why don't you kick us off with. Uh, the games that you put the most hours into on your 3DS? Uh, most hours would probably be Animal Crossing New Leaf. Yep. Because uh, that's what I got the console for. Um, yeah, it was just fun to go island hunting for all the bugs. You know, there was all this sort of great new features. Um, some things that are actually missing in New Horizons that I find a bit disappointing, like the um, Tortima Island. You could play mini games with your friends. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that in the new Switch one for some reason. Um, obviously there are some things that are still missing, like furniture sets and that, that because they're doing it as sort of like a, adding content to the game, so we assume most of them will come back, it's just having to wait for them. Um, plus, a few years after release, it got like this welcome amiibo update, 
So that's when the overpriced Amiibo cards came out that are actually getting <laughs> reprint, getting reprinted soon. That's um, right. They only, they only let me pre-order five of each. I think each I've got series, them kicking though. around somewhere. So <laughs> I might... I, I never even completed a single series, so maybe I can finish the first yeah. one now. There's a lot of those cards, right? Like, they they yeah. made a lot of There's them. There's four series. Yeah. Um, with 100 cards each. Oh, There's man. There's, like, yeah. a Japan-exclusive Isabel that was exclusive to a magazine. Right. There was an RV series for the um, Welcome Amiibo update. Yeah. Because so, so, yeah. the Amiibo cards came before the Amiibo update because they came for Happy Home Designer, the spinoff. I think um, I might have the cards that came with Happy Home Designer because we we bought that. Uh, I don't think it was a very good game, but I remember getting the cards with it. I might still have those. Um, and the RV ones that was at the camp update where you would invite the campers to come over in the RV and you could purchase exclusive furniture off them. Mm. So you'd want to do that first before you ask them to move into your town, otherwise you won't be able to get the furniture. Um, and there was actually some Sanrio exclusive ones from Japan as well. Hmm. Like like a Hello Kitty gorilla um, villager. Jeez, they I also mean, it sounds had... like sounds like a nightmare to try to complete a set of these cards. Like yeah, um, yeah, just just because of that one like Isabel exclusive card, you probably yeah. wouldn't be able to get it. I think no. I saw it on eBay for oh, one hundred and fifty dollars oh, the other no. day, just for one card. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's literally just Isabel at like a three quarter angle, sort of like right. different pose. Yeah. Um, so some of my favorite villagers are they supported some other amiibos. So they supported like the Squid Sisters um, and Zelda like this, to give you again like campers that would give you exclusive Splatoon furniture or like the other theme furniture. But then you could invite them to live in your town. So the Squid Sisters were like squirrels. They had a Pona, so you could have a Pona as a horse villager, Ganon as a pig, Wolf Link as a wolf villager, and I had a Medley as a little bird villager in my town. Um. One thing that was interesting with the Monster Hunter Stories amiibos, which were Japan exclusive, is that you could still use them on the English versions of Animal Crossing, because there's actually a feline villager. Um, so that's how I got, because I bought my brother one of the amiibo back when they weren't prohibitively expensive. Um, so I have some Monster Hunter furniture in my house, and I have a feline villager in my town. So hopefully, with the new Monster Hunter amiibos, they'll bring him back. <laughs> I, Paige, it's funny to hear you speak of the game with such a fondness because I, I, I feel very much the same way. And I, I, I think early on with New Horizons, I, I had that same kind of joy and excitement about playing the game every day uh, and doing kind of the, you know, the daily routine. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like I also stayed with New Leaf a lot longer. Yeah, um, that's I, what I New, think. New Horizons, um, I, I kind of dropped it. I feel like I feel like they're trying to do New Horizons kind of as a games as a service, not necessarily yeah, trying to earn more money, but just trying to keep people talking about the game all year round for multiple years, right? Like they try to keep the game yeah, uh, in just... the in the public eye, and so it's yeah, you know, it's a little doing disappointing it, that way. Doing it that way, you're missing stuff. I also think it's really bad for people that don't. You know, there are still people that don't have internet access, so then they're actually going to sure. miss out on holidays for the games if they don't, and they have time to update it somewhere. Yeah, good point. Um, that's that's disappointing. But yeah, I definitely think kept up a routine with New Leaf a lot longer than I did with New Horizons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, me too. Part of that though is, so I opened up New Leaf the other day, and I talked to one villager, and they asked me for like a piece of furniture to help decorate their house. And I talked to another villager, and she asks me to bury up a time capsule I buried for her. Hmm. The amount of times that I've been asked for favors in New Horizons is like a literal handful, and I've put nearly yeah. 200 hours into that game. They don't, they just, the villagers seem, even though it's a newer game and they should have more dialogue, it's so much more bland. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And I barely get asked to do anything for them. Yeah, they're really passive and kind of one note. Uh, and and I know we don't want to turn this into a New Horizons yeah. <laughs> uh, podcast or anything, but uh, I but no, I, I I echo a lot of your feelings about how New Leaf. Kind of just looking back and comparing the two, uh, I did had a lot more fun, uh, a lot more satisfaction out of the 3DS experience. Um, so other games I played, I think Dragon Quest Eight on the 3DS. That was. I think the game that actually got me into turn-based RPGs, because there was a point where I wasn't sure if I really liked them, because I'd only really played Pokemon, and I tried a couple games where they had, like, semi-action in it, like um, South Park or something. But yeah, Dragon Quest VIII is when I actually really got into it. Um, and that's got some extra content, like, well, it's got extra features, like a fast-forward thing. Um, it was also a lot easier to grind because if you turn the camera around 360 degrees, the enemies will respawn. Mm. So if you go to where the metal slimes are and you spin the camera around, there's more metal slimes. That's a really because, neat trick. And I, I played the game and I don't know if I, I, I yeah, probably just walked because, around to find more, but yeah, I, like I, I don't know if the original one on PlayStation 2 had like the enemies on overworld or not. I, I want to say no. I want to say it was random encounter, but I I don't don't hold me to that. I know there are a lot of improvements made with yes. the 3DS version. Um, they also added like an extra ending, which I really mm. liked. So um, they added a couple more post game things. One of which, when I got to it, I was a bit over leveled, so it was very easy. Like it was just an extra dungeon. Um, mm. they added. I'm trying to remember the names. Mori and the other girl. I don't know if her name's Red or something. Yeah, she's uh, kind of like a pirate or like an assassin type. Yeah, sort of. um, yeah. so they, they added them as party members mm-hmm. that you could get later on. Um, and the, the only... So I've pretty much done everything in that game. I think I've done about 100 hours. I just didn't do one of the new things, which is basically a boss rush, except that you could go back, heal, and then walk around whatever boss you'd beaten before. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, there's one that I got to where, um, oh, if I say for spoilers, but it's a female character that charms the male characters. Hmm. And even with the extra one on the 3DS, you've still only got two female party members. Um, and I looked up a guide and the guide literally said that it's a crapshoot of like luck over whether they're going to get charmed so they can actually beat the fight. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Cause like otherwise kind of, the strongest kind of guy just whacks some, you know, like it whacks yeah. you and... Um, but yeah, I really liked that. Yeah, so that's sort of what got me to try more um, turn-based RPGs because I just really got into it, which is mm-hmm. funny because I think it took me a fair while in before I decided that I actually liked the game. Um, but then, yeah, it was one of the ones I couldn't put down. Um, it was actually funny. Um, the One of the combat mechanics, I think tension it is, where you're like, yes. yeah. um, I actually beat the whole game and the original post-game content without using it at all. I, I might have been the same. I, it wasn't a mechanic I really understood, maybe until much later. Just, and you can kind of, I think you can kind of just ignore I, it. And, I did. You just overlevel and. Yeah. yeah. You just keep grinding and then you can ignore many of the mechanics in RPGs. Um, actually, one thing that's interesting is when I played um, Dragon Quest Eleven. there's a bit where, again, like there's an evil floating fortress and I'm like, this seems really familiar. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the funny thing about Dragon Quest. It, it, it's constantly uh, reusing um, uh, tropes and, and places and, and uh, characters and enemies and things like that. Like, it, it's, it's a game built on uh, that repetition of its legacy, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another game I played a fair bit of was Fantasy Life, 
So that was sort of like a little bit of an action RPG, but you had many classes you could easily switch between, including like being a chef. So you might just go out to the areas and like try to gather and try to avoid the enemies a bit. Um, and that had multiplayer. Um, I didn't really do the post-game content because with most games, I'm not really... Once I finish the story, I'm just sort of like, yep, and I'm done. Yeah, I'm yeah. the same. Um, Fantasy yeah. Life was uh, level five, I want to say. Yes. They developed that one? Yeah. yeah. It, it, yeah. Level, Fantasy Life was very cute. Like, I, I liked yes. that game. I played through it. I, I didn't really experiment too much with the classes, but they all had their own uh, different side quests as well. So that was kind of yeah. neat. That if you, depending on which one you chose, you'd get a different experience. Yeah, because um, you had the main storylines, so you'd have to pick a combat class to get through with that. Yeah. yeah, in a way, now thinking about that, that reminds me of like the job system in Final Fantasy um fourteen because you'd have like a whole you'd have a small storyline for each of your jobs that you pick, and you can sort of relatively easily switch between them. Hmm. Um. Maybe one more, uh, just because I, I see the time, and we're uh, <laughs> we we just have a bunch of games to get through. We gotta okay. go with Monster Hunter. Um, then. Oh, okay. I was going to. You gotta I pick didn't... one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I was actually going to, I think, maybe more the game that I really, like, started playing and then couldn't put it down was actually Yokai Watch 2. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I played a bit of the first game, but it didn't get too far. And you don't really need to play the first game because Yokai Watch 2 actually retcons the first one. Like, you repeat the same first chapter and they're like, wait a minute, didn't this happen before? Because they get trapped in, like, some kind of time thing. So they've got to stop being, stop the bad guy because they're being trapped in summer eternally. Um, and yeah, I just, for some reason, I just couldn't put that one down. I really liked it. Um, there's lots of funny things, like there's a Master Nyada, where he's very clearly a Yoda reference. Hmm. Um, and again, yeah, I didn't really get, um, and even though the travel system, like you had to sit on a train and sort of wait for the train to pass the lines, I actually liked that because it kind of reminded me of when I lived in the city. Um, again, yeah, it was just until like I got to the post game where I was like, ah. Oh, because the main problem with Yoko Watch is the befriend rate, where um, the chances of them actually joining your team can be very low. So I was mm-hmm. doing one side quest to get one specific monster for quite a few hours, and I, I had enough. I did try once a week. There was like some collab things, like Donchan is like the little drum from Taiko no Tatsujin. So I try once a week to try and befriend him <laughs> as well. That's a really low percentage for that one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, but if you want to play Yoko Watch 2, you should get the Psychic Spectres version because that, um, just, you know, it's sort of like the third version, so you get a bit more content hmm. with it. David, you want to go next, or sure. you want me to throw out a few? Yeah, um, so like I said, I, I when I bought my 3DS, the first game I bought with it was Link Between Worlds, and I mm-hmm. uh, really enjoyed that one. I know there's a bit of a split with fans on whether, uh, the like, between... Link Between Worlds and the original, um, <laughs> why, why is the name escaped me? Link, Link, a Link, a Link to the Past. Link to the Past, yeah. Um, because, yeah. yeah, like, because it's essentially, like, an open world version of Link to the Past where everything's kind of opened up and, uh, and then obviously you have different ways of getting, uh, between the light and the dark world and, um, I don't know, I just, uh, I guess I didn't because I didn't have a Super Nintendo and and don't have the the same nostalgia for Link to the Past. Uh, I didn't like I played it, but it was later, like when I was older and stuff. So um, I was a big fan of Link Between Worlds. I thought it was great. Um, mm-hmm. The the actual games that I put the most time into though were were actually uh, DS uh, remasters. 
the the two that I I've played the most are uh, Shin Megami Tensei: Strange Journey Redux, and uh, the other one was Radiant Ho- Radiant Historia: uh, Perfect Chronology. Um, I'm pretty sure. Sh- well, Radiant Historia we definitely talked about because that was like the yes. second second episode of the podcast. I feel like Strange Journey came up at some point. We might have done it on like a what we were playing or something. But yeah, we've definitely mentioned it before. I I, I would I would have played it later than you did. I think, and I, I know one of us has brought it up before. Yeah. Yeah, so it's both, very good. It's very good. Yeah, I, I really like them both. I, f- I feel like the improvements they did are make it stronger than the original. Um, especially like there's, I even recall with reading Historia having like the bonus content uh, was pretty fun. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, those are those are all fun. Like I have uh, all of the Pokemon's uh, as well. Like played through them all, like X and Y and uh, Sun and Moon and um, was it Ruby Sapphire and Alpha Omega or no, it's uh. Alpha, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. That's it. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> played played through all those, so and I enjoyed those on 3DS. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, like th- those are those are. It's mostly like I said, I've I've been pretty much uh, set on just RPGs on the 3DS, and uh, I've uh, enjoyed them quite a bit. Yeah, Strange Journey Redux. I I really enjoyed that one. I hadn't played the original, so I didn't have anything to compare it to. But I had played both versions of Radiant Historia, or sorry, I played the original of Radiant Historia when I played Perfect Chronology. And uh, yeah, I get again, David, you nailed it. Like they're those are those are definitely the best way to play those games. But I think they're both really good, you know, challenging, competent RPGs. That uh, if you're a fan, you should check them out. I think uh, they're not. I feel like they're not cult classics, but they're maybe not as well known. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the thing about the DS and the 3DS. Like they've got tons of RPGs that people probably have never played before. There's there's games on there that we haven't played before. We're going to talk about those in a, in a couple minutes. But um, so for my favorites. Uh, Super Mario 3D Land is one I just can't I can't forget about. Like I, the first time I played that game, I really enjoyed it. It's got a little shtick where you you beat the game and it's got and then it, everything flips over and it's got another eight worlds to go through. And I I love games that kind of do that. It's, a, it's almost like a, the original Final Fantasy VI trick of uh, an entire new world to go through. Um, it, it uses the 3D to good effect as well. I just I just found the the game. I thought the uh, the raccoon power up coming back was neat and. Um, yeah, it's just a really, really polished, kind of really effective uh, 3D Mario game. Uh, I, I, I guess it's tough. I don't know that we'll ever see it again. I feel like it's going to be trapped on the 3DS, unfortunately, with maybe a lot of other uh, titles that have 3D in the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's a good one for sure. Um, Fire Emblem Awakening, uh, kind of the rejuvenator of the Fire Emblem brand or franchise, uh, yeah. Really good game. It's got um, uh, a ton of content. Uh, there's a lot of DLC. Um, it has uh, a mechanic where uh, you can have kids, and then the kids will uh, be bestowed with um, uh, maybe different stats or different, uh, maybe a different, uh, different abilities uh, or class options based on uh, what their parentage is. So that's kind of a neat so thing. A I, 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 I like. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. It, it added. It certainly added some of the uh, uh, more uh, romance elements to Fire Emblem that maybe hadn't been there as much before. Uh, I think it was just kind of like. Uh uh, what would you say? Just, just kind of dialogue between car- party chat almost uh, in previous Fire Emblem games, but this this time it was more uh, a little more a little more intense. I think it had some some base building as well, um, and ba- base building and and um, uh, romance options are things I like I like to see in RPGs. Actually, I think they add nice depth uh, to uh, a game that uh, Fire Emblem a game that already has a lot of depth to it. Um, 
Samus Returns, uh, Metroid, the uh, kind of really a full remake uh, of the second uh, Metroid game, mm-hmm. Metroid uh, Return of Samus from Game Boy. Uh, I'd played that original one before I played the remake, and it's it's hard to go back to that game because it doesn't have a map. Uh, so I, you know, I, I played a few hours of it, or maybe four or five hours, and then I tried to I tried to go back to the Game Boy one a couple months later, but I totally forgotten. You know, where have I been before? What kind of progress have I made? How many Metroids? Uh, which Metroids do I have to go back and kill? That kind of stuff. So uh, I never went back to it. But Samus Returns is a really, really competent remake. Um, I, I was hoping we would get it on Switch, actually. But uh, I, I suspect we're probably just going to get a different 2D Metroid. Uh, maybe another remake, something like Fusion uh, in the future. Uh, but With yeah, Samus Returns is really good. I, I mean... I did know, not like that system. system. I, I I didn't love it, but I thought it was a cool new way to uh, you know change up the way sa- uh, Metroid games are played. Right? Uh, like yeah. we don't we don't they we don't have it, though. Metroid games w- early on, but you yeah. didn't even need it later on. Like about with but about two thirds of the way through the game, you could just you get like the final um, uh, laser upgrade or the beam upgrade. You don't even need it anymore. But um, I don't know. It, it it added something new. This was a, a hugely long game though. Like this is a, you know fifteen to twenty hour game. So Definitely one of the longer Metroidvanias I've ever played, I would say. Uh, but I enjoyed it. Really, a lot of challenging boss fights, uh, tons of new power-ups and stuff. So uh, that's a good one. Uh, and then uh, just to, you know, Bravely Default. Like, I, we, we again, we, I don't need to talk about it too much because we've already done an episode on it. But uh, uh, just the way that it used the 3DS to its full capability, the fact that we're getting a new one soon makes me th- kind of long for the original one. And still... Uh, I guess holding out hope that uh, Bravely Default 2 uh, is going to return more of what made the first one successful. Um, Um, One thing I want to say is I can't recommend it for someone who hasn't really played turn-based RPGs before because I tried to Mm. get get into it being like, oh, you know, I'll try it before I try Dragon Quest VIII. I was like, oh, I'll try this one um, since it's a classic style or something and you know, I grinded a bit and then I still had to do more and I was just like, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely, it's actually a game that's built for people that have played a lot of turn-based RPGs yeah. because yeah. it, it, it changes up the battle system and the kind of fighting mechanics so differently that if you've never done one before, yeah, you're absolutely right, Paige. I, I would, I would never recommend this as someone's uh, first JRPG. Like uh, Dragon, the Dragon Quest Eight is very accessible. Uh, yeah. Dragon Quest Five is another good one. I, I'm planning to play that again soon. Uh, maybe do a timeless games feature on that at some point. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, Bravely Default, really good uh, if you have experience with uh, turn-based combat. Uh, that you can really get into that one. Before we get into a few of the other RPG options that uh, we do enjoy and uh, want to recommend, um, is there is there a game that you've always wanted to play, wanted to pick up, but for whatever reason, whether it was timing, price, whatever, just never got around to getting it, and even maybe to this day still want to get? Uh, 
I, I guess I can go first. I, I'll, I'll try to be quick about it. Uh, Professor Layton and the Azran Legacy. I think it's um, there were a couple of Professor Layton games on the 3DS, uh, maybe two or three, uh, and I don't think I really played those. Uh, even though I loved, loved, loved the games on DS, uh, Curious Village, um, one involving time. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, there were there were three or four on DS as well, and I I, I adored those games. I, I I have fond memories of playing them, and the puzzles were really great and um, I, I loved the characters. Hell, I, I, I dressed as Professor Layton for Halloween one year. Uh, a friend of mine made a big top hat. I'll try to find a picture and maybe that's got to be a patron uh, patron exclusive photo <laughs> yeah. though. I can't be sharing that all over the place. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I love the series and the 3DS games. I guess when it moved to 3DS, I for whatever reason, I just stopped playing them. I think my wife might have played a couple of them, but um Maybe the idea was that we both had a 3DS and, and I would let her play them first. And by the time she was done with it, I, I'd already kind of moved on to the next thing. So uh, I'd love to go back to Professor Layton and the Azran Legacy. I think it might be the last 3DS Professor Layton game, N- not including um, uh, the one with uh, Ketriel, uh, Professor Layton's daughter. Um, but yeah, I'd love to go back to the Yeah, I'd even love to go back to the DS games. But uh, one of the ones I haven't played before, I'd like to see again. Yeah, and Paige, uh, is there any any uh, white whale game that you you really want to play, but you just haven't gotten your hands on yet? Well, being that the 3DS is region locked, there's an awful lot of games that the price has risen for, um, and the eShop price is still the same. So, say I was looking at Kid Icarus, um, and that's still like the recommended retail price on the eShop, and online it's actually more to get physically. Um, and I've actually taken a couple off the list, like. Uh, Stella Glow and a couple others, they were on sale digitally, so I got them because paying like $23 versus $100 for just the cartridge is a bit better. You know, sometimes <laughs> sometimes I just go the physical route, oh, sorry, digital, because I can't. Um, so I was thinking the only other one I'd say is probably, that's like that, is Project X Zone. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think when the sequel got announced, then everyone was trying to get their hands on the first one. Those games are really uh, interesting because they combine so many different franchises. I guess I, I might have played a yeah, demo oh. for the first one, the second one, but I've never I've never played the full game or played much of it. What what is it about those, uh, especially the first one, Paige, that interests you? I think it is just all the characters. I'm trying to see if it's just Capcom or if it was other things as well. Hmm. Right, Project X Zone. Oh, um, so. Nemco, Bandai, Capcom, and Sega characters. Yeah, so you get to see all these sort of crossovers and weird conversations, and it was like a tactical game. Yeah, the the dialogue between characters from different franchises is is definitely. Uh, I've seen some funny posts about that. I think James uh, from NWR has played a bunch of these games and talked about them on RFN before, and I've always loved hearing his his uh, his thoughts about them because they're so quirky. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't even think I've heard of that one. <laughs> Project X Zone, um, but the uh, the white whale game, like the game that I've always wanted to play, and it, it was completely based on timing, is the reason I didn't pick this one up. Was I wanted to play the uh, Grezzo developed Ever Oasis? Uh, heard good things mm-hmm. about it, and I've the... actually finished that. Oh, really? Um, it was like one of those games that I sort of got three quarters through and put down, but I actually went back and finished it. Oh, that's good. So, yeah. then... It was, the, the problem for me was that it came out in June 2017 and I had already, this was the like the big year for Nintendo. The Switch came out uh, a few months earlier. This is when Nintendo was making a, a, a release a month 
and there was just so much coming out and so much announced uh, that I like I probably had dropped over a thousand bucks at this point, like because I mean <laughs> the, the machine itself was like four hundred plus tax, and then I I had bought uh, Breath of the Wild and Mario Kart and. Um, there's uh, yeah. so many games yeah. that were coming out and, and even more games that I knew were coming out, like on the way. Uh, so it was just a matter of like, you know, is this the year that I'm going to drop $60 on a, on a 3DS game? Probably not. So <laughs> I, I opted just to, to focus my money on the switch, switch stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, still, I, I mean, even to now, even to this day, I, I kind of wish I, I, when I go to like use game stores, I keep my eye, eye out for it. Cause I still want to play it one day, but, um, yeah, it's, um, yeah. cause Grezzo, they did like the, um, 3DS ports of like Ocarina of Time and that, didn't they? Yeah. Then they, uh, they yeah. also, um, developed, uh, the Link's Awakening, uh, remake for the Switch. Yeah. Cause that's um, right. Yeah. In terms of combat and that, it definitely feels like um, an earlier 3D Zelda game. And the sort of the base building stuff, I think a lot of people should I found that was pretty like shallow, but it was okay because then it meant that I didn't have to focus on it too much. But it was a pretty cute game. And there's, yeah, a, I believe, there's a demo on the 3DS as well, so you could always, probably. David, if you've never tried it, you could always try it out first. I, I played the demo and I didn't really feel like it was for me, but hmm. uh, I think it does give you a pretty decent slice of the game to try out. Yeah, I might have to pick that up because uh, I'd at least like to, to see what it's like. And uh, yeah, if there's a demo, then that makes sense. Yeah, I have to check that out. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe before we get into the last call, we'll just go through quickly um, some of the other RPG options. I mean, some of them we've actually covered on the show. Uh, some of them uh, we're, we're going, going to, to be, be covering <laughs> yeah. soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like <laughs> if, if for Shin Megami Tensei Four, like that's uh, a game that uh, we're going to be covering probably early next year. Like it's going to be soon, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, Bravely Default, we've definitely done an episode on. Yeah, uh, might be doing uh, an episode on uh, Bravely Default two if it ends up coming out before the end of the year, like it seems like it might. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we've got uh, like the Pokemon games, uh, the Monster Hunter games, uh, Entry and as well as the. Sorry, I was gonna say it's the there's three different Monster Hunter games, and then there's also Monster Hunter Stories, which is That's the RPG right. spinoff. Mm-hmm. Which everyone's trying to get their hands on now yes. that a sequel's been announced too. That's uh, one of the games I got three quarters through, but then sort of stopped. So I've opened it back up, and I'm not sure what I was doing. I think that's another one with a demo as well. So yes. if if anyone was interested in trying Monster Hunter Stories, uh, at least trying the first on one before too? they get the second one. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, okay. So lots of options to for, a for giving it a try. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, Persona Q and Q2 uh, are games yeah. I've I've wanted to get at some point haven't gotten around yet uh etrian yeah. odyssey there's a whole bunch of them uh we'll be covering o2 at some point uh mm-hmm. started it uh probably again at the start of the year and then uh yeah we can't forget yeah. uh, all the dragon quest games that are available yes. on the 3ds um, so many dragon because s- s- yeah um i was gonna say i have a couple different my i do have a japanese 3ds because they had a new 2ds xl when dragon quest um 11 came out and I've got the liquid metal slime one that ah, I spent nice. a pretty penny for. Yes. Um, he's very <laughs> reflective, so it's very hard mm. to get a good photo of it. Um, but I did see a post about how you could actually play every numbered Dragon Quest game on the Japanese 3DS because they had 1 to 3 as like a virtual console thing. Mm-hmm. You could play the 4, 5, and 6 DS versions, and 9 was a DS game. Um, 10 was the MMO, which they had on 3DS. I'm assuming the service for that's been cut off, though. And then 7 and 8 had the 3DS remakes, and 
11 in Japan had a 3DS version, which is mm-hmm. where the 2D mode came from, because the top screen would be the 3D and the bottom screen would be the game in no, 2D, or you could swap it, I think. Um, so then when they did the um, Switch version of Dragon Quest 11, they added a 2D mode based on that. Yeah, I when I first saw the 3DS version of Dragon Quest 11, I was like, oh, if I had a choice, I probably want to play it in 2D and ended up doing that. I did a video for NWR about the differences between playing in 2D and 3D. And I played I played the whole game in 2D. I kind of regret it because I think I missed out on some of the cutscenes <laughs> and visuals that are actually quite good. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, any, anything for a video, right? And, uh, yeah, so I was really happy when the Switch version of the game came out and it did have that 2 uh, sorry, the, the 2D mode from the 3DS because I was like, yeah. oh, it'd be such a shame if, if we didn't get this version of the game as well. Um, I think there's still some slight differences. Like, I did see some footage of, like, because there's, like, basically what they they have, the content in the 3DS version that they've added to the Switch was, like, you'd sort of travel through to another area to help something out, so you'll actually end up in a part of another Dragon Quest game. Yeah, that's um, right. That That's not part of the 3DS one, right? That's, that's a new no, thing for the Switch? Yeah. It was it was in the 3DS content, and then mm. they added that content to the Switch version, but that, right. but they added it as two D only, whereas they had like the three D three D models for it. So it's a bit sad that I didn't get to see like um, I think it's called Tredane, like the Dragon Quest um, Eight location mm-hmm. in three D again. They just it was it was two D only. Yeah. Which only thing annoys me about that it's one of those two D ones where like every character's constant, like the, the sprites are constantly moving. If if a character's standing completely still, <laughs> that annoys mm-hmm. me. <laughs> I I'd love to see the Switch become the new Japanese 3DS by having all of the Dragon Quest's pl- Dragon Quest games playable on it. It's halfway there, right? We've got versions, maybe not ideal versions of 1, gonna, 2, and 3. I guess if you consider but, those playable versions. Yeah, I, they are playable. I know we had this argument before. They are, <laughs> they are playable. They're just very ugly. To some. Uh, but we've got, we've got 1 to 3. We've got... Uh, I guess ten if you're in Japan. We've got eleven, so you know, let let's yeah, let's keep going. Let's get a few more of those on there. Um, and the funny thing is about the DS ones, like they're, I guess they're, I don't know if they might be on mobile, uh, but I don't know that I there's been another so. console version. I think version eight's release. on mobile too. Yeah, yeah. I think we've said mobile way too many times for David's liking, so we can probably <laughs> move on to last call. Yeah, so I mean, Nintendo may have uh, canceled or discontinued the the 3DS, but the the Thirsty Mage definitely uh, will not be ending its coverage. We'll we'll continue on. We still got a few games at least that we're gonna get into, and there's there's mm-hmm. so many on there that I, I oh, there's tons. I mean, there, there's uh, there's so many games we could go back on the 3DS and cover, and yeah. DS games as well. So like, uh, yeah, stay tuned for more of that. Uh, but for the this week's last call, we've a lot of the last calls uh, for the past few weeks have been very next gen based, and uh, just doesn't feel right to not have a next gen based uh, discussion about um, the Nintendo Switch. So the uh, the rumors for uh, a Switch Pro coming this spring they, they they just they're heating up. There's the 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 amount of smoke around this rumor keeps it just gets bigger and bigger, and uh, I'm curious uh, what everyone thinks about um, you know. With the if a Switch Pro comes out, is this something that we're gonna that you'll be putting sinking money into? 
Uh, do you feel like, uh, yeah, do you feel like Nintendo's missed an opportunity, uh, to tell people that this is coming? Like, to, like, I know for me, I kind of wish, uh, I had something more concrete before, uh, sinking money into, you know, more PS5 stuff, but, um, I'm curious what you guys think if, if, uh, you know, is, is a Switch Pro, if it comes in, my guess is that you probably see something like the where the prices are probably going to stay pretty much the same as to where they are now for the the actual like the switch and the the switch light and maybe this comes in at like a 499 price point like a hundred dollars more canadian anyway i'm sure it'd be mm-hmm. 399 i guess in the u.s uh yeah is this is this something that you guys have interest with uh with the the other next gens coming out or you know are, are we going to be so poor from dropping money into sony and xbox that uh, nintendo's going to have to wait a bit Paige, you got to go first because you hopped in with a resounding yes halfway <laughs> yeah. through David's question. Um, so I'll probably upgrade like, as I tend to do, like I do with this new 3DS and just swap it over. Um, I've already lost my Splatoon 2 and Go Vacation save data again, so I, like, because those are like there's a couple games that have no cloud saves and no physical transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I didn't really don't really take much stock for rumors, but that's what I thought about all the Switch Mini rumors, and then the light got announced. So um, I think the Switch is mostly not completely, but it's a bit of a different audience. Like typically, people most people that are buying on the Switch aren't usually going for the sort of like they might like the third party games because they've got the portability and that, or if like the Switch is their only console. But I don't think not having the upgraded version yet is a bad thing. You know, it's funny in a year where we're getting two new consoles um, in in two different versions. uh, Nintendo hasn't had many major titles released. Uh, Many of the ones that they are releasing are uh, ports or remakes or remasters or what have you. Um, And they're still doing incredibly, incredibly well, right? They're still selling out. Uh, It's still incredibly hard to get a Switch. We're talking about uh, year four of the console's lifespan. Um, But this is the time to release a new hardware, uh, a new SKU, right? A new Switch Pro. Uh, You want to do it when things are already good because then you can just kind of keep building on that momentum. If you do it when things are bad, you might not get people to come back. But people are already, everyone's talking about the Switch. Everyone wants a Switch. So add a new SKU to the collection. So you'll have three, in theory, you could have three different Switch uh, hardware options, right? Uh, yeah. the, the, the small, um, medium, and then the big one, I mean, or the, the pro, whatever that's going to be. But I will say, like, even now, because of certain things, like, there are people that are pre-ordering PS4s and that, trying to get them to come back in stock, even though the next gen's mm. coming, because there are always people that are at least a gen, if not more behind yeah and i i like i said i I know i've mentioned this in a previous episode but i think the switch pro would usher in a price drop for the other two switch versions i think that a regular switch and a switch light would become cheaper and so that's where you, you you make even more sales you get even more people into the ecosystem because everyone who wants a regular switch will will probably get the switch will will get a switch pro at the same price but if you were waiting for a price drop or a sale and there have really hasn't been a sale on the switch right like four years in, um, there's been no no real. They did the one twenty dollar price drop, but in Canada at least that price is back to normal. Um, uh, it, it was three seventy nine for a while, but it's back to three ninety nine. So yeah, uh, I forgot what I was gonna say. Um, like at the moment, like none of the consoles are even doing bundles and that I think because no. just not having like the stock, so they don't want to 
oversell too much. You don't even no. you don't even need to create any more demand because their yeah. demand is already at maximum if you're selling out all your consoles. Um, the Australian price for the the, the retail price for the Switch is, I think it's four hundred and sixty nine. Hmm. Um, and the Switch Lite is three thirty. Yeah, I I don't know if I'd be holding my breath on a price drop just because it's like you said it's so hard to get a Switch now that you know why why drop the price when they're selling out. Because no one's no one's gonna buy a, a Nintendo console at five hundred dollars, not when that same five hundred dollars could get them a PlayStation Five or a Series X. They have to come in lower than those consoles. Yeah, I hope they, they know can, that. Yeah, the... I, 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 I don't know. I, I can't. I can't imagine they would, unless it competes on power. How can I, they possibly no. say oh, we're going to come in at the same price? I think it's going to be like if it cut if it does come out. I think it's going to be just barely a four K, and I don't even know. It might even be like the the PlayStation Four, where it's it's an up res, like it's not a true four K. It's just like a ten eighty up res to four K. Maybe uh, it's like um, it'll be like the new three DS, where it's just focusing on the performance, so the game. I, th- be I think that's uh, that's what I th- I think yeah. it'll be the resolution will be will not be the primary concern. I think yeah. it'll be performance and, and maybe a better TVs screen. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think if they made this if they you know, used a different screen or just made the the portable experience even better. Uh, but yeah, I think it's more just to get third parties to keep putting their games on Switch. Like we're talking about like late PS4, late Xbox One games that are having a hard time being brought to Switch, like Doom Eternal. Right, this is a game that that it was announced for Switch and isn't there. Who knows? Maybe they're waiting for Switch Pro to come out, and then day and date, uh, you're gonna have Doom Eternal. And look, it runs exactly like it did on 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 Xbox One X or something like that. I don't know. That maybe that's wishful thinking. I don't know. But well, um, do you think there'll be uh, riots in the streets if all of a sudden games that are coming out are only playable on a Switch Pro and not a Switch? I, I I don't I don't know that that would happen. I think it's just like, hey, if you want the comparable experience to like what it was on PlayStation and Xbox, then you need to get a Switch Pro. And you'll be able to run it on a Switch Lite or uh, a standard Switch, but it's just not going to be ideal. And mm, I don't I, know. Again, Doom, it's not, it's... Do you think Doom Eternal would run on a... Like, if if they're waiting for the Switch Pro to to get Doom Eternal to run, and they, and they can't do it now, like because it was supposed to come out... Doom Eternal was supposed to be day and date. So obviously yeah. they, they can't get it to run on the Switch. No, it's not can't. They can, they, but it's not about running. It's about fidelity, right? They, uh, they want to put that game out so that it looks and plays the same as the other versions. And it might be that you need a Switch Pro to do that. There's been a couple uh, Switch ports where, like, they do technically work, but they're not very good, like, um... The Outer Worlds is a yes, good that example. One's it really looks one. terrible. <laughs> um, I think I don't. I think Journey to a Savage Planet runs okay, but just like even like like that's a very colorful game, and on the Switch it looks like so much more sort of muted. Um, meanwhile, something like Witcher Three works pretty well. It just it sort of comes across as like if there was a 360 version of the game, because you know there was that point where like you know the cross gen where it was like 360 and Xbox One versions of games. So it sort of it seems like it was like, oh, if this was like the last gen version. Yeah, I, just... like, I think it's going to be something like, you know, when the Switch came out, we, we knew it wasn't going to be as powerful as a PlayStation 4 and an Xbox One. But it was close. It was comparable. 
The Switch Pro is going to try to do that with these next-gen consoles. It's not going to be the same. It's not going to be as good. But it's going to make games possible, and it's going to make it so that you don't look at it. You're, you, they, you want customers to ask, hey, do I want this to look the best, or do I want to have this portable, or do I want to have the, the freedom to play this how I want with the TV playing in docked mode or handheld mode? Like, the Switch tax, or the, the Switch experience has always been one about flexibility. So gamers are still going to have to ask that question of whether they want the the best looking game, the best performing game, or the most flexible game. And the Switch Pro is going to get it's going to make that question kind of harder and harder to to, to answer. Maybe it, it gives gives people with uh, a standard Switch who might say, "Oh, there's no way I'm going to buy the Switch version of Doom Eternal." Uh, the Switch Pro came out. Look how close this looks. You know, you know, Digital Foundry is going to come out with something that says compare this on the switch pro is actually really close to what people were playing when doom eternal first came out on a playstation 4 pro or a series x or something like that i don't know i I, again i think it's just to raise the bar slightly yeah i'm just worried about a slippery slope of devs like you know we we got it on the switch pro it looks great uh nintendo says we have to make it run on a light so it's gonna be absolute dog show that no like nobody would even bother trying to play games that just look really bad in handheld like i played a demo of like gotti at a three or something and it looked all right on the tv but when i took it in handheld it was just i don't know what the resolution was but it didn't look good at all well that, that proposition is built into the platform it's part of the switch experience again like you know games aren't going to look as good handheld as they do on TV. So you, you're you're all you're always you're constantly making as a Switch owner you're constantly making that sacrifice or that decision, right? Well, Which format do you want to play in? So the Switch Pro just kind of keeps it keeps giving you options. Well, yes and no. The, the like for example now like we we know there was that WWE game that just did not run at all on the Switch. Mm-hmm. So like basically if you wanted that game you you had to go and buy it on your PS4 or Xbox. Mm-hmm. But now if you start getting all like a bunch of games where it's like, okay, I, I don't know. It just seems like that. You're not going to sell 60 million switches and then say, oh, the game's coming next year. You can't play on the 60 million consoles we just sold. David, there's no way they would go that exclusive route. It, it, but how do you force avoid... the devs to do that? Like, let, let's say I don't want to, I don't want to do, to buy the Switch Pro because I've just spent all my money on the PS5, which is probably what's going to end up happening. But then you uh, tell the devs that the PS5 install base is like five million, yeah. and the Switch install base is sixty million. No, but we're probably right? like, talking about like like an Ubisoft game. Like, there's let's say Ubisoft decides they want to get okay, the Pro comes out, and um, the they want to put Watch Dogs Legion on the Pro. So Ubisoft sits there and go, okay, well, we've got the Xbox or the PS5 uh, Series X. You could also play it on PS4 or, or Xbox One. Um, we've got it running on the Switch Pro, but now Nintendo's forcing us to shove it on their their light. Um, if you're stupid enough to buy it, you're, it's never going to play. Let me give you a much more likely scenario. Uh, before that, I'm going to ask you a question. Name three Ubisoft games on Switch. Uh, Assassin's Creed, Mario Assassin's Rabbits. Creed, Assassin's Creed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when did those Assassin's Creed games first come out? Yeah. Oh, years and years PlayStation ago. PlayStation Three, like, Xbox yeah. um, Three Hundred and Sixty. Exactly. Yeah. You brought up Ubisoft. There is one new Ubisoft game coming to Switch in December. Um, but but there there's no there's no Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Assassin's Creed Origins. There's no Watch Dogs Two. Yeah. You're, you're there's no Far Cry Five. What I mean is you're the the most of the games that those companies are making for 
PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, they didn't. Ubisoft didn't bring those games to Switch. Same with EA, right? Like, there's companies that you're not really focused on getting their games on your console. Nintendo is not worried about getting Ubisoft's multi-plat games on their Switch. I don't think that's the purpose of the Switch Pro. If it is, it's to get maybe some of those older games. So maybe Watch Dogs 2, maybe Far Cry 5 does come to Switch Pro, I mean, right? So Watch they're Dogs behind two, They're behind a generation. Watch Dogs 1 was on Wii U, so... Yeah, I, I can't imagine many people bought that <laughs> no. version because yeah. it, it came later and probably performed worse, right? So, like the so, normal yeah. bottom one. Yeah, that's so what, in your mind, what, Switch what, ports, actually. They come later, they cost more. Yeah, I know, exactly. So what would you be but, buying a Switch Pro for then? Like, what games would you hope that would be on a Switch Pro? I just I, want a new Switch. I, I, yeah, no, I'm with Paige. <laughs> I, I want a better Switch. I don't, I don't need new games. I just want the Switch games I have to look better. Isn't that the same? David, aren't we asking the same question about an Xbox Series X? Why would you buy that when you can play all your games on an Xbox One? Yeah, I but just want them to look better. I want them to run better. Yeah, it's but the they're same, developing the same, same proposition. They're developing them for them, like because. But they're not. But remember, Xbox is in the exact same boat as what you're talking about. Microsoft is not putting out any games that are only going to be Series X, and we've talked about why that maybe that will yeah. hinder them selling consoles. I, but they're still doing it. I guess I just don't trust. Like I don't trust Nintendo to go back to the catalog they have now, and and provide updates for their like let's look at the games that are on switch now do we really think that nintendo's going to go back to all their nintendo games and provide upgrades for the for a new switch pro like i don't i don't think we're going to get like an upgraded uh, xenoblade chronicles 2 patch to no, make it look maybe, better maybe on it, switch pro maybe it looks better in handheld naturally by running on a on a faster more capable system right maybe maybe games that ran at 540 are all bumped to 720 Maybe games that ran in 900 mm. go to 1080, something like that. You know, very, very moderate bumps that don't don't add a ton. But if you're playing all your again, you're you're playing all your games on the Switch Pro now. Those little differences add up over time. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. There, I I can't I can't imagine they would go the exclusive route. Like they didn't even even with a new 3DS. Yeah, there's like that, three really. games that were exclusive. Yeah. We talked. We, we we mentioned all three, all the games, and even then, those games were generally found somewhere else in a better version. Have uh, uh, was, um, uh, gosh, Fire Emblem Warriors was that not brought to Switch at some point? Yeah, Xenoblade they came and launched on Switch and um, Xenoblade 3DS. Chronicles brought to Xenoblade Chronicles brought to Switch. Even the games that were new 3DS exclusive, or or only really capable on that console, were brought somewhere else anyways. So, mm. like, what I'm saying is. They're not. Nintendo isn't in the business of excluding its customers. I think it's going to be maybe some third parties do, but I, I don't think Nintendo first-party games, when a new Switch comes out, are going to be exclusive to that platform. I'd be I'd be shocked actually. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. It'll be interesting. I, I guess the other thing would be is, and I guess everyone's asking the questions now is how how much of an upgrade like how much of an upgrade is it going to be like I mean we. A lot of people yep, now are question. saying like they're not buying the next gen because the 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 PS4 and the Xbox One are are good enough for them. You know, 1080p. Mm -hmm. I think there was there was a big thing on Twitter the other day about 1080p versus 4K. Like, can you really tell the difference? I guess yeah. that'll be the next question: is like, will the Switch Pro be a noticeable difference? Like, especially in handheld. Uh, I guess it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens there. 
Yep. It's hard to know. I mean, it's hard to. We don't. We're we're just speculating about what this console is or could be. Uh, even when we find out more, it's going to be hard to know. We, the eye test is the most important thing. So, yeah. You know, once we get those PlayStation fives in our in our grubby mitts, we'll finally <laughs> be able to say like, oh yeah, this is totally worth it, yeah. or not. But uh, yeah, soon mm-hmm. enough. Yep. Perfect. Well, why don't you uh, wrap, take us wrap us up here? Sure. Uh, so that was a fun episode talking about the 3DS. Gosh, what a good console. Uh, and I was so happy to, <laughs> I want to go back and play some of my ambassador games right now. I just dug out the console to look through the list and, um, yeah, I don't know. Just, just an awesome handheld, you know, huge library, obviously made much greater, uh, by the, uh, the DS games and even the digital games that are available on 3DS. So I think about something like pocket card jockey. We didn't talk about that, but, uh, the 3DS had some proprietary digital titles that were really good too. uh, box, the box boy games as well. Um, um, Paige, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for suggesting uh, that we do a 3DS episode because uh, yeah. this is one of our longer episodes in a while. And uh, you yeah. obviously, you know, have a lot of experience with the console and not a lot of good yeah. games to talk about too. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're gonna insist that you uh, create one of our topics every month from now on, even if you can't. Uh, uh, I have you can't join one. us for it. <laughs> I have okay, thought of good. one, but I don't know if you'd be able to get the game. Um, I think it's called. Final Fantasy Four Heroes of Light. It was a DS game that was yes. like a precursor to Bravely Default. Okay, so uh, during the Bravely Default episode with James, we did talk about this game a little bit. I have played it through, but okay. I've been thinking about playing that game again soon. I've actually, uh, I'm actually hoping to pick up a copy. So uh, if that's your suggestion, we will definitely uh, add it to the list for some point. So we'll we'll pencil you in for that. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, D- David, you want to go through the uh, Patreon tiers a little bit uh, in, in detail here? Yeah. So the uh, the first tier is uh, two bucks a month, and what it gets you is uh, it gets you into the private Discord channel for the Thirsty Mage, so that you'll be able to uh, recommend games that we cover on the show, recommend topics, that sort of thing. Uh, also gets you access to the show a few days earlier uh, when when we can. We try to get it out as soon as we can, and once it's ready, you'll have access to it. Uh, the next stage up is the White Mage class, which is $5 a month, and it gets you uh, the same benefits, but then it also gets you the added bonus of um, getting access to games, so that's uh, new. Ge- could be new games uh, where you get a, a free code to uh, play the game and provide your thoughts uh, about the game to us, so that we can pass it on to our listeners. And uh, it also gives you access to retro games. So uh, you know, when we play uh, a 3DS game and and uh, we're done with it, uh, we're going to be sending those off uh, to our Patreon so that the, uh, the other people can enjoy them as well. And the uh, the last tier is 10 bucks a month. It's the Black Mage tier. So all the same things uh, there. Plus, we add your name to uh, our YouTube channel content so that uh, you get a producer credit on our videos. So uh, all three uh, tiers, uh, when you're in the Patreon, it's uh, the money goes towards uh, promoting the site, um, getting games, getting games into the hands of people. So, uh, yeah, it's a fun community that we're, we've started up over the past month. And... Uh, it's going pretty well so far. We've already got a bunch of games into the hands of people, and uh, it's going well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we we have a review for Hades that uh, is is that live yet, or it will it be will by be. the time the yeah. podcast. Yeah, it is now. It's so you can, yeah, you can hit the YouTube channel; it'll be there. Yeah, so check out that review of Hades that's from a, from a patron, and um, uh, Hades seems to be one of those uh, titles that's definitely going to be in contention for a game of the year uh, i've finally got a copy now so i want to give that a try too uh maybe we'll probably have to do an episode on that game <laughs> probably uh, um maybe we get the patreon to join us for that one yeah. um 
Yeah, if you are listening to us on your podcast device, we'd love if you could leave us a review, uh, leave us a comment, feedback, anything like that is awesome. Helps with visibility of the podcast and then grows the site. Um, we had a lot of fun talking about 3DS. We've got an episode on Crystallis coming up soon. Uh, Thirsty Mage crossover with Talking Nintendo Podcast. I think I say that. I think I've been saying that for the last month, maybe, but it's finally happening, I think, two weeks from now. Um, uh, we've got an episode on Etrian Odyssey Untold 2 coming up soon. Uh, we're also going to be doing uh, I Am Setsuna, uh, one of the Tokyo RPG Factory games as well. Uh, so lots of good content coming up. So, you know, keep keep checking back. Uh, podcast every week. Uh, if you're a patron, you can get the podcast early as well. David, are we still doing that or we're still trying to do that uh sorry which one the you can get the podcast early if you're a patron oh yeah yeah so it's usually it's probably a, a couple days like uh, typically we record on a wednesday and i'll have it ready by friday so you get a you get yeah. it a few days early yeah so if you if you want to get the podcast early you can do that by becoming a patron at uh, patreon.com slash the thirsty mage uh and i think that will do us for tonight so thanks again everybody for joining us uh thank you to Paige as well and uh have a good night everybody bye bye